Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Your role, your place here at Dwelling Place and what God is doing. Praise his holy name. Well, we're delighted to have each of you here. And I just want to say just how blessed I am that at Dwelling Place, there's a place for spirit-empowered women of God to be used. Amen. And that just hit me this morning. I said and listened to Beth communicate so graciously and thinking of Savannah and, and um, all that's taking place here. And of course, men, you're not left out either. We are a church that's mobilizing believers, amen, for the glory of Jesus Christ. His name, his fame. And so we want to continue today looking at the series that we have been walking through here in the month of August. August is a great month, by the way. And um, so, uh, praise his name. I want to continue today with the message titled, The Love Walk. Will you say that with me? The Love Walk. I want to read one scripture, Romans 8.28, as we continue this series, Too Loved to be Lost. Too Loved to be Lost. Romans 8.28, the Apostle Paul in his great, great epistle the church there at Rome as he lays out the apostolic pattern of sound teaching and the apostolic faith handed down once and for all to the saints. He comes to this conjunction in Romans 8 and verse 28 and he says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. I'd like to pray. Father, I thank you that love came down. Love walked among us. Yet you rose Jesus victorious after the cross, after your death and burial. And then the love of the Holy Spirit came down to dwell in your people and in our hearts. That your love would be completed and perfected among us that we would continue in this love walk. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge our need of you to make Jesus great in our sight, in our vision, in our life, in our home, in this church, which is his church, purchased and bought with his blood. We thank you that that name Jesus is above every name. Thank you for the blood of Jesus over this room and our lives. Thank you for your word running swiftly. The hearts and minds of people. We thank you, Lord, for what you have accomplished this past year. We celebrate your faithfulness. We celebrate your grace and your goodness and your fruitfulness. We thank you that it's just the beginning. We thank you for the multiplication of believers, leaders, and churches. For Christ being manifested in many ways to many people. And we thank you that even today... You'll be manifested to every life that's here. 
I yield to you, Holy Spirit. Be glorified, O God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice Paul in this verse says, we know. It makes me wonder if we actually here at Dwelling Place today, do we really know? Paul assumed and was confident that the church in Rome, that they knew something. I wonder today if we know. Do we truly know that all things work together? Or better yet, do all things really work together? Notice that Paul, when he says, and we know that all things work together for good, those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, notice these phrases, to those, to those, to his. I want to start with the phrase, to his, to his purpose. Did you know that God's eternal purpose is to have many sons and daughters? That he dwells in and walks with, empowering and leading them to express his image, kingdom and heart upon the earth. In fact, the very next verse of Romans 8, Romans 8, 29 confirms this, that We have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ who is the firstborn among many brethren. That God's purpose is that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ the firstborn. God's eternal purpose is to have many sons and daughters that he would dwell in and walk with. That he would empower and lead to manifest his image, his kingdom, his heart upon the earth. And up front today, we need to be assured, we need to be confident, we need to receive and accept this fact that God loved His purpose so much that it is too loved to be lost. God loved His purpose so much that it was too loved to be lost. I'm struck as I read through the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, of the Scripture's constant passion of where people dwelled. In fact, the word dwell is used 23 times in Genesis alone. Dwell in tents. Dwell in the presence of his brethren. Afraid to dwell in Zoar. Dwell where it pleases you. Dwell in the land. Dwell with us. The word dwelt is used 31 times in Genesis. Dwelt in the land, dwelt there, dwelt by the terebinth trees, dwelt in Sodom, dwelt in the mountains, dwelt in a cave, dwelt in the wilderness, dwelt in the south, dwelt in her father's house. God is passionate about where people dwell because his purpose is too loved to be lost. God's purpose of having mankind dwell in him, God's purpose of having his creation, you and I, dwell in him and he dwelling in them. That purpose was too loved to be lost. His purpose of having a living dwelling place of sons and daughters that also live in Him, move in Him, breathe in Him, and abide in Him. His purpose may have been delayed, but it was never surrendered, nor was it ever in jeopardy. You say, what are you talking about, Chad? Though it appeared in the garden when the first man, Adam, and the first woman, Eve, 
Eve was deceived and Adam willfully transgressed. Though it appeared that God's purpose was lost. Oh, no, 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 no. God's purpose was too loved to be lost. Even after Eve was deceived. Even after Adam willfully transgressed. Even when they were dwelling in nakedness. Even when they were dwelling in a place of shame and guilt. Even when they were dwelling in negative fear of God and hiding from God and running from God. God's purpose was too loved to be lost. See, God from the beginning declared, determined, and assured that he would bring to pass his eternal purpose. Not even Adam and Eve, the first couple, could stop God's eternal purpose. This is why Jesus is said to be the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the earth. This is why it is said Jesus had been delivered to the cross at the hands of lawless men by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. See, when it comes to God's eternal purpose, no devil, no circumstance, no nation, no person could ever possibly keep it from taking place. It is in this sense that God declared the end from the beginning. His purpose is for His glory. His glory is revealed in His image. His fruit displayed in His children reveal His glory and is His purpose. This is the love walk. That God wanted to walk and dwell amongst His creation. The love walk of God. You see it in the beginning in Genesis 3. God come down and walk in the morning with Adam and Eve before the deception and the willful sin. What does this mean for me today? What does this mean for you today? What does this mean for us today? It means He knows where you dwell. He knows where you have dwelled. And He knows where He longs for you to dwell. Proverbs 5.21 says, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and He ponders all His paths. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. God knows where you dwell. He knows where you've dwelled. And He knows where He longs for you to dwell. For He longs for you to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, as the Psalms said in Psalms 91. That He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Make the Lord your refuge, even the Most High your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Not only does God want you to find your dwelling in Him today, not only does God long to dwell in you today, but He wants you to dwell with Him for eternity. He wants you to be in relationship with Him for eternity. He doesn't want you to dwell apart from Him. In fact, Jesus Himself said that the eternal lake of fire and damnation has not been created for you. That it was created for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41 says that He, Jesus, will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The love walk of God 
the eternal purpose of God is that you would dwell in Him. You would dwell in Him and have a relationship with Him now and forever. That you would not dwell apart from Him in a place that was not originally created for you, but for the devil and his angels. And it is specifically because God's purpose was to love to be lost. That He is calling people today. That He's calling maybe people here today. That He has called many of you already who are here today. What do I mean? Well, remember Paul said in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Let me talk to you about the called. See, God's crown of creation is also too loved to be lost. Mankind is to be considered the crown of God's creation because in the beginning it was only Adam and Eve out of all of his created things that was crowned with his glory and with his honor and with his visible presence. He crowned mankind with his authority and with dominion over the rest of the works of his hands. God's call to mankind is because of his purpose. His purpose to have sons and daughters is why He calls people today. It's why He calls out to the nations and He calls out to you individually. He who fashioned you in your mother's womb, He calls out to you because not only was His call to love to be lost, but also you as a human are to love to be lost. God desires you To bear His image. He desires for His glory and His fruit to abound in you and through you. Jesus said in Matthew 19 and 14, Let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. What is He saying? Saying from the very beginning... The inheritance of every child that's born on the earth is the kingdom of God. Every child of every race, of every color, of every situation, of every circumstance surrounding their birth, every child born upon the earth, their inheritance as a human is the kingdom of God. But because of sin, because of deception, we all have despised our birthright. We all have turned aside. We all have turned and followed Our own way. I think of Hebrews 12 and 14. It says pursue peace with all people. And holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. By this many become defiled. Watch this. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau. Who for one morsel... One bowl of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Notice what the writer of Hebrews says. Like Esau, for who one morsel of food sold his birthright. What's it saying? Due to Esau's birth, he had a right to an inheritance. Due to your birth on the earth, you have a right to the inheritance of eternal life. 
What is eternal life? It's not just duration of life. It's a quality of life. Specifically, Jesus said in John 17, it's the quality of having a relationship with the God who created you. It's the quality of life to be able to dwell in Him and have God, your Creator, dwell in you. To make the, uh, the most high your ever dwelling place. But are you like so many others selling your birthright just for the temporary feel of earthly pleasures? Are you today selling your birthright of being able to dwell in, in God and Him dwell in you for temporary pleasures? The writer of Hebrews gives a clear reason why so many forsake and despise their birthright of experiencing the kingdom of God. Experiencing right standing with God and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He says, least the root of bitterness spring up. Have some hurts happened in your life and because of them, you're allowing the hurts, you're allowing the anger to cause bitterness, to cause you to dwell in a place apart from dwelling in God, apart from dwelling in His purpose, apart from dwelling in His love. See, today you are called, but you are called because of His purpose. Today you are loved, but you are loved because of His purpose. Today there is forgiveness, but you can be forgiven for His namesake. And this is exactly why as God did to Adam in the beginning, He's doing maybe to people here today. In Genesis 3, after Adam willfully sinned, and he's no longer finding his dwelling in the presence of God. He's no longer walking with God. He's no longer allowing God to walk with him. It says, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Let me ask you today, Where are you? Where are you dwelling? Are you dwelling in shame? Are you dwelling in guilt? Are you dwelling in a place despising your birthright? Are you dwelling in temporary pleasures and the feel of things that will leave you empty? Are you dwelling in a place of the root of bitterness? Are you dwelling in anger towards people and anger towards the church or anger towards some pastor or some issue? Where are you dwelling today? Are you dwelling in a place of selling your birthright? Are you despising your inheritance and your right to a relationship with your Creator? Because you're too loved to be lost. You're too loved by God to be lost. Just as all of God's humanity is too loved to be lost, you individually are too loved to be lost. Many of you have already accepted this call that you're too loved to be lost. Many of you have already accepted the call of the message and the fact that the love of God has came down through the person of Jesus Christ. That though you used to dwell in shame and though you used to dwell in your own ways, though you used to dwell living for your own will and your own pleasures, now you have found your eternal dwelling place in your Creator and you're allowing Him to dwell in you. Makes me think of the story of the elderly couple. As they're in their old pickup truck driving down the two-lane road. Looking at God's beautiful country just out for a drive. And the wife begins to perk up as the husband is driving saying, Oh honey, do you remember when we first got married? We used to just sit so close and hold each other's hand. And talk deeply. Just celebrate each other. After she 
finishes this recourse of her memories of this time of sweet fellowship and intimacy that they used to have in the truck finally begins to come to a close of her speech to her husband. He gently looks at his wife and says, Who moved? I'm still driving the truck. Who moved? She had moved over time. He's still in the same seat, driving the same truck, with his hands on the same steering wheel. But over time, she moved. Is that not the case with you today? Is that not the case with me today? Is that not the case with the course of human history today? Who moved? It's not God that's moved. It's not God that's changed. It's not God's love for you and I that's moved and changed. But we have moved. We've turned to our own ways. We've despised our birthright. We began to dwell in places and dwell in issues and dwell in circumstances and dwell in mindsets and dwell in desires that we weren't created to dwell in. Who moved? God didn't make us His enemy. We made Him our enemy. The Bible's clear. We made God our enemy. When we despised our birthright to relationship of this love walk of walking in Him and Him walking in us. But can I affirm today to you that you're too loved to be lost. 1 John 4, 9 says, In this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the appropriation for our sins. This is love. Not that Chad loved God. Not that I was seeking and searching for God. Not that I had an impulse to run after God. But before any of that, God loved me. God loved you. 1 John 2, 2 says, And He Himself, Jesus, is the appropriation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. 1 Timothy 4 and 9 says, This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance. Who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. These things command and teach. If you have already accepted the fact that you're too loved to be lost, you have to keep the conviction in your heart that Jesus died for all. He died for all. That there's not a person on the earth today that Jesus' blood wasn't shed for. There's not a person on the earth today whose cross is not sufficient to cross out their old life. There's not a person on the earth today who wasn't created with the right to have a relationship with their Creator. As a believer, you got to be convinced of this. you got to be convinced that God's call is to all. Come on, say it with me. God's call is to all. His call of love, His call to people to dwell in Him, and Him dwell, it's to all. It's for the whole world. It's not just for those who know Him. It's not just for those that's currently in the church. It's not just for those that currently believe. God's call is for all. you got to have that conviction. If not, then you won't end up where the love walk wants you to end up. 
Paul said in 1 Timothy 2 and 3, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God who desires all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He desires all to be saved. You're too loved to be lost. The blood of Jesus and the cross of Jesus is here for you today. God's love came down through the person of Jesus. Love walked among us, walked among humanity. And he calls to people today through his love. And he calls to people today through the message of when love came down in the person of Jesus Christ. There is a call to be reconciled to God today. For today is the day of salvation. There is a call unto salvation and unto a place of righteousness and forgiveness today. So there is his purpose. There is the call. But then lastly there's the phrase who love God. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are the called according to His purpose. There is His purpose. There is the called. But now to those who love God. Paul says all things work together to the good. To those that are called according to His purpose. And to those who love God. All things, even these things, you might ask. Even these things that's in my life? Well, Paul continues in Romans 8 and verse 31 and he says, What then shall we say to these things? Is God for us? Then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God. Who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress... Or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Here it is. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am persuaded. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What do you say to these things? What do you say to these things of tribulation and distress and persecution and famine and nakedness and pearl and sword and divorce and rejection and backstabbing? What do you say to these? Can they be against us? Or are all things working together for my good? Because I love Him. This is the question you got to ask yourself today. Are all things, even these things, working together to my good? Well, here is the question. Do you love God? Do you love Him? Because Paul says, What your love for God is to be rooted in is not in your circumstances. 
Your love for God is not to be rooted in these things. It's not in these things that your love for God is to be rooted in. It is for this one thing, the cross of Jesus Christ and His Son, that our love for Him is to be rooted in. Paul said, and this, this is the love of God. He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. For us all. Our love for God is to be rooted in the fact that He delivered up His Son for me. He delivered up His Son for you. He delivered up His Son for all. See, listen. Paul is saying, love God because of the cross, not because of the circumstances. What is your reference point today for the love of God? What is your filter today for the love of God? What is your glasses and your perspective regarding the love of God? Is it circumstances that you seek to root your love of God in? Or is it the finished work of Jesus Christ? One of our core values of maintaining focus on the finished work of Jesus Christ. 1 John 4-19, through the Apostle John also referred to as many as the Apostle of Love. He begins to chime in and speak to this same theme of the love of God as Paul did in Romans 8. And he says this in 1 John 4, 19. We love Him because... You mean before Chad ever loved God, there was something that preceded it? Yes. You mean before John ever loved God, there was something that preceded it? Yes. You mean before Trent ever loved God, there was something that preceded it? Yes. We love Him because He first loved us. Let me ask you, when did he first love you? Did he first love you when you grew up in that hellish home? In a home that didn't manifest the image of God, but manifest the works of the devil, filled of alcoholism and abuse and sexual immorality and filthiness of conduct? Is that when? No, 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 no. Before ever those circumstances, before ever those hellish events hit your life, God loved you. What is the reference point? The cross. That He delivered up His Son, Jesus Christ, for you. Before you were ever born, there's a reference point. Before you ever experienced those hurts and those things that the enemy would love to use to keep you bitter, to keep you dwelling in shame, to keep you dwelling apart from dwelling in God and God dwelling in you, to keep you from the love walk, to keep you from the love experience. Before those things ever happened in your life, there is a reference point called the cross. God delivered up His Son. Delivered up His Son. St. Paul who said, and we know that all these things work together to our good because we love God. We're called according to His purpose. He also said that everything that was written in the Old Testament was given as stories and examples and recorded history to teach us something that finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. When I think about the story of the love walk, when I think about the story of the way of faith, I think of this story of a man named Abraham. Paul begins to point to these things in Romans. He begins to point to tribulation and distress and persecution and famine. And when you see the Old Testament example of Abraham, you see these things in his life. But you see, he learned 
tonight allow his love to be rooted in these things, but to be rooted in him. What do you mean? What about tribulation, Abraham? You mean tribulation when my wife is dwelling in Pharaoh's house and now God is plaguing Pharaoh because my wife is living in her house? And Pharaoh calls me to himself and says, Why have you done this to me? The most powerful person on the earth calls me to him, Abram would say, and is angry and upset and says, Why have you done this to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? You mean in this type of tribulation? Shall that type of tribulation separate us from the love of Christ? And Abraham's example, the love walk example, the way of faith example is certainly not. What do you mean distress? Abram would say, what do you mean the distress of when God comes to me and I'm not looking for him and says leave your family, leave your hometown, leave your country of origin and begin to go to a place that I'll show you? The distress of that transition, the distress of that moment of leaving what I know for what is unknown, shall all this distress separate me from the love of God in Christ? And Abraham today would say, certainly not. What about persecution, Abram? You mean the persecution in my own family? When I have a child with my maidservant and then I finally have a child through my wife and now there's persecution among the child of the the slave woman and the child of my wife? You mean in this persecution, shall it separate me from the love of God? And he would say, certainly not. What about famine, Abram? What do you mean? The famine when there was a great famine in the land and I had to go to Egypt and dwell there? Shall famine separate us from the love of Christ, Abraham? Certainly not. What about nakedness? Like Adam and Eve, as we've already seen. What about after we've turned our own way? What about we, after we've made our mistakes? What about when we're dwelling in shame or dwelling in religion and dwelling apart from Him who's to be our dwelling? Can those choices, can those events, can those circumstances keep the eternal purpose of God and keep His eternal love from you? No, 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 no. His love is still coming towards you today. It's still abounding towards you today. It's still flowing towards you today. Not even nakedness shall separate us from the love of Christ. What about peril, Abraham? You mean the peril? When God is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and in Genesis 18, 16, says the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Shall such peril separate us from the love of God in Christ? Certainly not. What about sword? Abraham would say, what do you mean the sword? Like in Genesis 14. When my nephew Lot is taken captive along with leaders and people of Sodom and Gomorrah before its destruction. And I have to go and through sword rescue my nephew Lot. Shall such sword separate us from the love of Christ? Certainly not. Paul picks up on this love walk of Abraham. One who was said to be called a friend of God. He was a friend of God because he allowed himself to be swept up in the love walk of God. Abraham testifies to the way of faith because faith only works through love. And as we see today that it's only in experiencing and truly knowing the love of God that you can then be empowered for this faith walk or this love walk. That in all these things, in tribulation and trials and famine and nakedness and distress and sword and peril, whatever things are in your life, that even in these things they can't separate me from the love of God in Christ. That's right, even these things. 
See, when you love God more than your circumstances, then those circumstances will work for your good. I'm going to say it again. When you love God more than your circumstances, then your circumstances will work for your good. I was quickened this week as I was looking at the story of Abraham. It comes to this moment in this love walk and this faith walk. And in Genesis 13, 17, God speaks to him and he says, Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abraham, Abram moved and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of memory, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. I couldn't help as I saw the illustration and an Old Testament example and type of the love walk and the faith walk of Abraham to then see how Paul begins to be swept up in that example and brings it home in the New Testament fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And he says, May we also, Ephesians 3.18, be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Just like God told Abraham, I want you to walk through the width and the height and the length of the land of what I'm giving you. God today is saying to us and saying to this church and saying to his children, I want you to walk through the width and the height and the depth of what I've already given you in Jesus Christ and the cross. I don't want you to just walk through the width of your circumstances, but in the midst of your circumstances, I want you to learn that in the midst of them you can still walk through the width of my love that's already been given to you through Jesus Christ will you just walk through the depth of it you've not experienced all of it will you walk through the depth and the height and the full experience that you would be filled with all the fullness of God because the power of God is the ability to dwell in the love of God despite these things oh let me talk for a moment despite the hatred despite the back talking despite the circumstances despite the rejection despite the turmoil you can still move your tent and dwell in the love of God this is the true godliness not that I can love those that like me but that I can dwell in his love so that his love in me can cause me to walk in love towards those that don't like me this is godliness and this is the love walk that he invites us to he invites us to That you would walk through the width width and the length and the depth and the height of the love of Christ. And that you would dwell by a tree just like Abraham dwelt by a tree when he walked through the depth of the land that God had given him. That you would walk through the depth of his love by dwelling by a tree called Calvary where God gave you the greatest gift he could ever give. He gave you his only begotten son and he allowed his son to be ripped open, to be ravaged by humanity so that now his love can come down and dwell in our heart. That he can remove the shame and remove remove the guilt and he can set us in a secure place, a place of righteousness a place of dwelling in him and him dwelling in us I pray that whatever these things are in your life you would learn to keep your tent at a tree called Calvary that you would learn in the midst of these things to dwell in the depth and the height of God's love And that you would dwell there until you get persuaded like Paul was. Paul said, I am persuaded. 
I'm persuaded because I've learned despite these things to dwell in the depth of His love revealed in the one thing, the cross of Jesus Christ. And now I'm persuaded that in all things they can't separate me from the love of Christ, but instead all things are going to be used to work together for the good of me because I'm called, because I love Him, and because of His purpose and His glory in me and through me. The Apostle John says, 1 John 3.16, By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. This is the goal of the love walk. This is the goal of the love that came down in the person of Jesus Christ and walked amongst humanity. And now the love of God that's came down in those that's received this call of reconciliation. A love that's been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. The end goal of this love walk is that now you would walk in love by taking up your own cross. And we also ought... To lay down our lives for the brethren. The only way to know and experience and be convinced of His love is because of the cross. And as you make your ten, as you make your dwelling in the depth and the height and the width of that love that's revealed in the cross, not your circumstances. It is to lead us to also lay down our lives for the brethren. See, listen. Love came down for love to lead you to lay down. Love came down to lead you to lay down. To lay down your pursuits. To lay down your desires for pleasure. To lay down your will and your affections. Love came down so that the love walk would lead you to lay down your life for the brethren. For the brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is where the Apostle John says in 1 John 2, 5, but whoever keeps his word. Everybody say keeps his word. Truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we're abiding in him. We're dwelling in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Just as Jesus walked the love walk. And lay down his life for you and I. He who learns to dwell in his love. He who learns in spite of all these things. To dwell in the depth of his love. Shall also walk the love walk. The love walking through you. And the apostle John says when the love walk begins to go be in and through you. Then love and its purpose of love has become completed. Perfected in you means the course of God's love has been brought to maturity in you. Because now you're taking up your own cross. You're not just keeping the love of God to yourself. You're allowing the love of God to flow out of you and walk towards those around you. See, because when love matures in you, it always leads to the love walk. What do I mean? That you learn to walk in love towards God and others no matter what circumstances you're also walking through. That you learn to walk in love towards God and others no matter what circumstance you're walking through. And I feel God speaking to many believers today saying His call 
needs to become too loved to be lost in your life. His call to have the love of God reach completion in your life and reach maturity in your life where you also ought to lay down your life for the brothers and sisters around you. That that call of the love walk, you would become so passionate for it. You would so desire it. You would so fall in love with His purpose in you and through you that it would be too loved by you to be lost. That you wouldn't allow the things of this earth and the things that's happened to you and these things cause you to forget the grace of of God, the love of God, the purpose of God in and towards your life. Some people today need to get a passion again for His call, His love walk. Some people today need to embrace that call of the love walk. Peter said that it, you need to add to your faith, and the first thing you need to add to your faith is some moral courage. you got to get some moral courage that I'm going to walk in what God has called and made possible for me. I'm not going to allow these things keep me from being passionate from what God has called me for. And he said that it gets you going on the right path toward love. Read it, 2 Peter 1. Apostle John said in 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is God and everyone who loves is born of God. Watch this. And knows God. That's what he says. Let us love one another. And everyone who does it is not only born of God, but knows God. See, many of us here are born of God. But there's also several of us that don't yet know God. We don't know the depth and the height of His love in the midst of these things. And that's why we're getting frustrated at God. That's why we're dealing with bitterness towards God and others because we're trying to root our love for God in these things instead of root our love for God in the one thing, Jesus Christ and His finished work. He said everyone who walks in the love walk is not only born of God, but knows God. Verse 8, he who does not love does not know God. It doesn't say he who does not love is not born of God there. He says, doesn't know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son in the world, that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the appropriation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Listen to me. In the New Testament, there are many ought-to phrases Because if you have received the love of God, you are accountable for if you ever walk in it. And it starts with his call being too loved to be lost. It starts with you right in the midst of these things. Right in the midst of your own issues. Right in the midst of doubt and and wrong desires and wrong thinking. Right in the midst of these things, getting a passion for his call of the love walk. See, you don't experience the love walk of God in your walk before you get a passion for the love walk. Because God don't give you what you don't desire now that you're a child of God. He said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. The ball's in your court now. We got to get a passion for the love walk. And I need some of you to understand who are children of God. That also his children are too loved to be lost. 
You're too loved to be lost in your walking journey. And I know there might be a dry season. And I know there might be some things that are happened in your life. And you don't feel God. You don't hear God. You don't know what God's doing. You might feel that he's forgotten you. You might feel like the nation of Israel that he brought you out of Egypt. He brought you out of the world. But now he's lost you in the desert. That the sandstorm has caused you to no longer be seen of God or thought of God. But I need you to understand today, child of God, that you're too loved to be lost. You're not lost in your journey. You're not lost in your season. You're not lost in your tears. You're not lost in your current hurts and the issues. You are too loved to be lost in your journey towards love being perfected. We know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to His purpose. All things, all seasons, all circumstances, you're too loved to be lost. God is seeking to grow your love walk. God is seeking to grow you in taking up your cross. God is seeking to grow your loving obedience in these things. For 1 John 5, 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. First John 2, 5. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we're abiding in him. See, the love walk is walking in his commandments. The love walk is keeping his word. And John says, when you're keeping his commandments, when you're walking in his word, then God's love has become mature and completed in you. Here's the awesome news. And these commands are not burdensome. You know why? Because there's always cross and resurrection. There's always a place for you to die to your own ability to try to keep them. And for Christ's life to be raised up on the inside of you. And for him to keep them through you. That's why John said that Jesus came that we might live through You're not going to have the life that God made possible. You're not going to have the life walk that God made possible. By you living, but by learning to allow Christ to live through you. See, you might be born of God, but do you know God today? Because you don't know God until you love God enough to obey His word, regardless of your circumstances. We don't start off there. Along this journey, I have seasons, have Example after example where my love for God wasn't greater than my circumstances. That's why it's called a love walk. That's why the love of God is to become mature. We don't get there overnight. But God's exhortation to us today, church, is we have to get passion again to the end call of the love walk. That though we've had some failures, though we've clearly seen in some tests that we love ourselves more than loving God, we don't lose a passion for His call of the love walk. That we get to a place of dwelling at the cross, dwelling by the tree, experiencing the width and the depth and the height of His love, that even in the midst of these things... Our love is not rooted in these things, but our love is rooted in the one thing. Jesus Christ and His finished work. As the band comes, I want to ask you, do you actually love God today? Because listen, you can't love God enough until you first let God love you despite all things in your life. Some of you, the reason why you, and to love God, Jesus made it very clear, is to obey God. 
Some of you can't love God or obey God because you're not letting God love you in the midst of your dysfunction. You're not letting God love you in the midst of your failures. You are not letting God love you right where you're at. It's only in first experiencing the love of God that then the love of God can ever empower and change you to be able to love God back. And that's why he says, in the midst of your issues, in the midst of these things, you have to just move your tent, move your prayer life off of focusing on these things and get your prayer life focused on the one thing, Jesus Christ, so that you dwell in the depth of God's love and the love of God does such a work in your life that then it empowers you to be able to love God in return. Why? Because the love walk is becoming mature. The God, God who in His love came and walked among us is now growing in you to be able to walk through you. It's the love walk. You will not be persuaded in all things until you learn to dwell at the cross that demonstrates God's perfect love despite all circumstances. This is to trust the potter in times when he breaks you. This is to trust the potter in times where he allows the wheel to go so fast that you don't know which way is up and which way is down and you don't know where you're dwelling. But all he wants you to know is though you don't know what's happening on the outside, there is something you can still know happened on the inside of your heart that love came down, the cross is sufficient and that you can dwell in God's love. As Paul said, I mean, John said, 1 John 419, we love him because he first loved us. To actually love God requires to know God first. Not to know it cognitively, not to know it mentally, but to know it in the midst of some these things moments. It's the midst of some failure and some heartache and some persecution and some swords and some trials and some rejection and some of your own failures to experience God's love is still there. The cross is still there. Jesus is still sufficient. It's still a finished work. In these things, experience the one thing of God's love. It takes some experience in that to truly be able to love God. And whatever your things are. You don't get there overnight, but I just am here to remind some people his call for your life, it's too love to be lost. To tell some others that I don't know where you've been dwelling, but you're too loved by God to be lost in eternity in a lake of fire that wasn't created for you. Tell some other believers that you're too loved to be lost in this current season and, and to allow the desires of riches and the desires for pleasure and to allow the anxieties and the cares of life to move you away from dwelling in the love of God. Let His love mature in you. I want to ask you to stand to your feet. I want to ask that they sing for a moment. I want to ask you to talk with God on what He's speaking to you. I don't know what He's doing in you, but I want you to take this moment. 
talk to him about what he's doing in your life, what he's speaking to you. Again, thanks so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. God bless you.